The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 214 After Party Edition. We've been drinking, and you've been warned. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you fuckers? Because you fucking fuckers <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're gonna go what's up, you fuckers Because it's a Protecting Neck Podcast After Party Edition, we've been drinking You've been warned And a little... Little inside joke there, the audio check. We were we were using the F word quite liberally. That's right, I'm here with the usual suspect, my man, BR14N Brian Schoonover. What's up, dude? What's up, you savages? You savages. Alright, oh my Neil Goldman now, Neil Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you're so savage. And uh, we are covering UFC 214. We will try not to let it get quite out of hand uh, as the last uh, sailing sh- show that these after-party t- uh, editions tend to be. And as I'm stuttering, your expectations may be low. I understand. But trust me, we're actually we're actually feeling pretty good, despite uh, despite how maybe our biases, despite maybe our picks, despite maybe even how our bets went tonight, Brian. More, more personal opinions. Fuck the bets. Yeah, more personal opinions. Yeah, because me and you both played. Man. Um, I know I played the lightest this card that I have in a minute. $15 total, baby. Lost it with Hen and Burrell. First fucking part of my parlay. Before we crack into it, let's uh, let, let, as as usual, even in our worst shows, we always still start off on a positive note and end on a positive note because that's what we're all about. So uh, on that note, I'm going to crack mine. Brian already has a bottle here, so pardon his sound effect. I will make up on his end. Cheers, brother. Dude, cheers for that. Couldn't help myself. This is too delicious. Oh, and Dan, two times, two times in a row, he can't open two his own beer. Oh my God. Look at this guy. He says he'll choke you out. He can't open up a beer. Cheers, cheers. Oh, cheers. You know why? Because I was just talking to my last podcast, Brian. I don't know if I told you this, my cornering story, but I was telling people on the last podcast that I'm cornering my boy Ronnie James for the title fight. And fucking Mazagati, man. He fucking got all pissy-fitted about fucking fingernails, and it was only literally two fingernails. And not only did he uh, make pissy about it, he made me, instead of the ring officials, you usually see the ring officials clip nails for guys under the ring. You had to be that guy? Yeah. Do you make the coach and corner man do it. So it's because of these nails. I just told you on the podcast, I'm like, I don't think about it because I have a bad habit of, of clipping oh, my nails short. No fingernails, yeah. And that wasn't an excuse because as you heard on this podcast in the last after party, Dan Tom has trouble kind of opening cans sometimes because yeah. he has no fucking fingernails. Yeah, like this is as long oh, as I let mine get. They're pretty long, terrible. dude, to be honest with you. Yeah. I've got female fingernails. Absolutely. Well, anyways, we're, we're going to go uh, recap the, this kind of uh, crazy show here. So don't ask me questions about the prelims. I did really bad about watching them Jesus. today. Even well, though they were stacked. Well, the main event made, like from 5 o'clock for sure. local time I was able to watch. Well, I'll pull mm-hmm. those up right now, but first of all, just to kind of give, oh, I a, watched the Bergman fight, give an so. overview. We did. We went out. Uh, it was another cr- crazy night, man. And I'm not, alone, I'm not alone here, so I definitely don't feel bad. And that's regardless of how I feel. I always stand by my picks. Look, when we, we went, when we see a stacked card, look, that's what looks like. Oh, that's the worst ones. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was a lesson I learned hard at UFC 194, and I even called it before UFC 94. Yeah. I didn't have the podcast at that time, despite Mixed Martial Analyst was running, but I said, these competitive cards, as excited as we are, I think there's, there's, a, there's a big trap factor in betting. 
And despite saying that, my dumbass went and got caught in it. So for this card, I wanted to be a fan. But Brian, despite being a fan, and not only being a fan because the analysis actually matched up where not only did I not want to bet it light and enjoy it as a fan, you can argue maybe that's because Dan's been a little jaded with this fucking ridiculous 9 to 11 week run the UFC has had us on regardless. Oh, this is the end? Yeah, no, there's one more fight after this next week, which I'm trying to like think of excuses not to do, but my ass <laughs> will do it anyways. August 5th, two days before my B-Day. Um, but yeah, I, I went into this card anyways, but what I did do different, Brian, was, because there's been times before, and again, I'm not making excuses. Again, I always stand by my picks. But uh, if there's not a parlay piece or recommended parlay piece, which people still have trouble on that concept, which is pretty much as I go extra detail to explain to you in parentheses that the recommended parlay pieces are pieces that are favorites, that are most confident in, that are playable in case you want to make a parlay because I'm not trying to decide for you as a conscious and adult. Not just as a conscious adult, as a non-capper who provides free content and free content that's arguably more accurate and has more work put into people that charge you work. Not hating on them. Those are good people. And I recommend and give proper shout-outs to those people. But I am not that. I am just an analyst here. The bit, the picks and plays are strictly for your entertainment, as is clearly labeled for those of you that don't like to read. And I hate reading, by the way. I, as, a, <laughs> I as an adult, and especially as an endemic, academic uh, throughout my school have been burned by not reading so believe me if anybody has sympathy for but the look, not reading don't even get it's me not started. me but th there's no excuses don't I know you, get me started Brian I know you have your thoughts on this too but I just want to say that instead of parlay pieces uh, I want to be conservative not putting anything on there which is you know props to me I guess but what I should have done Brian was not put anything on there because what I did instead just to supplement because hey you know what even though I know I'm not a capper and fuck these people if they're going to treat me like it even though I'm working twice as hard for them for fucking free I still want to treat my readers, and I still want to be honest with my readers, which I always am. And I'm going to put the one parlay that I did play on there, and that was Shelton uh, Brooks sees round three, which hit, which we'll get to. Uh, and also was, what What else the fuck was And I'm putting it what up right here. What else was the fuck? It was um, uh, Sterling and Morale over, which oh, hit. And the last one was, was Maya and Woodley, which didn't hit, did not go the distance, which didn't hit. Um, Wait, it did go the distance. Oh, it didn't? Yeah, but I, my, my, my part of the leg that it wasn't, because I was oh, like, okay, got you, Woodley. Got you. you know, yeah, but, but the problem was that even though I don't do this often, that uh, recommended play, it wasn't even recommended play because it was clearly stated as my personal for a fun play at a low key unit count, as all my stuff is, by the way. Um, it was different than the official pick, which usually I don't do, but. Again, there's plenty of actual cappers, people that go by the rules, the people that float in the middle, the people that are analysts like me. Picks are different, different from bets, people. And gotcha. I'm not. This isn't. I'm not gonna dive into this further. I actually just want to get into the recap, so I'm not. I want to get hold on, man, Brian. Hold on. Let me fucking say something real quick. If you are a grown man who is able to make bets, and you feel like this guy, Dan Tom, the mixed martial analyst, is responsible for your money. You're a fucking fool. Okay, if you understood <laughs> the amount of time this dude puts into this breakdown that he gives you for free, 
you don't you don't understand this is passion the reason that i understand mixed martial arts like i understand mixed martial arts is because of this dude so if you are going to sit around here and pretend like you're not getting value content for free, you can go fuck yourself. And your bet, hold on, I'm not fucking <laughs> okay, done. Go, 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 go. Your I'll bets go. are your decision. We live in Las Vegas where you would be eaten alive if you don't know how to manage your money. And if you don't know how to manage your money and you're making your bills off of Dan Tom's picks, you're fucking up regardless. That's the end of the story. So don't hit up my dude and be mad about some <laughs> stupid decisions that you fucking made. And I'm done. For example, I appreciate that, man. That's really kind of you. But in defense and to play devil's advocate here, I don't want this to turn into a a, a, a rant that we already went on on another podcast. And also, to be fair, to be honest, no one really came at me too hard. But just a lot of people were more politely, to the credit of these people, they were very polite with the way they went about it. I am not coming at you. But there was a normal amount of people, the normal questioning that. And I guess I could understand why. So... I'm not being totally condemned and pissed off here. I appreciate my man here at my back and the oh, kind no, of hey, look, I know. Of course, this isn't his opinion. This is literally just seeing from the side. For sure, for for sure. But uh, just 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 kind of clarifying that as far as like because again, I, I'm sorry for those of you who stuck with me and don't give a shit. Like Dan, shut up, move on. You're right. I should shut up and move on. But the truth is, I, your your boy gets hit up. Not like Brian said. I mean, uh, so much, and not that he was dramatizing it by any means or being bad. But no one's really was coming at me tonight, to be honest. But it was more just like honest questions. But again, you guys would be surprised with how many times your boy gets hit with like questions about that recommended section, and it makes me go nuts. Like to be honest, if y'all really want to know, I'm honestly trying to fucking. Um, my, my breakdown's like a resume. I'm looking for a home. Your boy is fucking freelance right now, so I'm actually looking for a home to write up for bets and plays, and there you can hold me accountable, because I'm ready. Your boy is tested and proven. To be honest, that's all it is. The only reason why I included it on these breakdowns, which is the flagship of my content, if y'all know, is because it's entertainment. Y'all want it. If I didn't put it on there, I would get like fucking ten times more the complaints than whatever complaints. I could put the worst bets on there and not get as much complaints if... I didn't put any recommendations at all. So it's for you. It's for your reference. It's for your entertainment. Let's move the fuck on. <laughs> all right. Starting in the first round, we had Dober versus Berkman. This Yo, was this that was, yeah. fucking punch. That was a beautiful oh punch, dude. Over the shoulder. That Ooh. was a beautiful punch. And I don't want to take away anything from Dober, although I kind of picked apart his career on this breakdown. Just, just from looking at it from perspective on saying like, hey, I don't know if this guy should be a 3-1 to one favorite over Berkman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. Dober has won three only three fights in the UFC. A retired on his way out weird performance against Jamie Varner. Yeah. Um, an ugly fight against Scott Holtzman, who has soon looked, and amongst many opinions, toward the bottom tier of that lightweight division. And Jason Gonzalez, who this was one forty five, right? Uh, this was one fifty five. Oh and wow. This was okay. and, and again, and Jason Gonzalez, who was a debutant, short notice, never fought anybody quality. The only guy I recognized from Jason Gonzalez's name was this guy named Shane Johnson, who was a, a fucking kind of an asshole. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but fuck you. Um, he, he used to train at Extreme Retour. He was, no, he was, he was training at, he's, just, he's a long fish, John, John Fitch looking motherfucker. Oh, and yeah. mental problems because he got knocked out too much, any, too many uh, times. And I felt bad for the fucking kid. And I know a lot of my Extreme Retour homies listening to me and probably secretly cheering because I know a lot of you motherfuckers don't like him less than me. He doesn't go there anymore. <laughs> it threw me off. But, uh, but that was like, like, yo, homie yeah. at Extreme Retour, yeah, fuck you, yeah, motherfucker. He was like a concussed fucking wreck by the time he fought Jason Gonzalez. And oh, that was his best win. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then that Jason Gonzalez ended up being Drew Dover's best win. So not taking any away from Drew Dower, but just looking from that perspective, like, why should he be that? Nevertheless, nevertheless, he he cashes, he wins, and even though Berkman was doing well to his credit, Berkman, despite his, you know, weathered state, um, he was looking good offensively and off the counter, but 
then Dober toward the end of that that round just did that one one two right over the shell guard. He that, landed you know, it early. Yeah, and that, you know that that shell and guard presents mm-hmm. that false sense of security. Like Eddie Alvarez and uh, Dos Santos. Or yeah, Dos Anjos. Yeah, perfect, perfect example. I mean, because traditionally we see the shell guard open body shots and uppercuts, but we saw that shell guard open like over the top, over where his hand was. So that was impressive, man. Um, totally. Fight still void for a reason. Hopefully you didn't follow me off that cliff. I had to take Felt a shot bad. at my man Berkman. Felt bad for Berkman. Man. Yeah, I thought he was going to make his last stand He's on just top. a tough motherfucker, man. You know, Absolutely. it's one of those things. You just, it's crazy to see the, like, the generation of fighters just like, it's so quickly how it comes. You know, you think like when we first got into a wall, and I, you were way into it before I was, but when I got into MMA, it was like, you'd see a fighter come and then they would go. But it was like a guy that you had heard of that had multiple fights, and then you see guys that like are coming up in the sport, and how quickly they just lately have just been dropping off, man. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Brutal. It's a brutal it sport brutal, to be brother. be in love with, yeah. It is brutal, brother. And I know me, you know me and you have uh, taken the shot on uh, on that guy before because Bergman's just been around, man. Yeah, I mean, totally. for anybody who's fought the sport, fuck, man. you've seen him, uh, you know, on the roster list, on on uh, on many a list, on many a shows or cards you've watched, so. So definitely there. Uh, next fight, Shelton versus Brooks. This was supposed to be a close one again. The first four fights, by the way, are coincidentally the first four on the avoids list. has been kind of a theme there, if you mm-hmm. notice or not. This is why. Low sample size, we don't know a lot. People in bad positions of their career, etc. That's what usually fills out the bottom of a card. Um, you see anything of, the, uh, anything of this, Brian? Nah. Uh, no. I caught clips, but not enough to even like talk about it. No worries. It was really close. Um... People were upset, and this was why, like, one of the more controversial decisions of the night that will spark arguments. And I don't even want to know. I don't even know how much I want to get into it because, like, literally, I saw two sects of opinions. You know, um, where essentially the way I scored it was, I believe I had uh, Brooks edging out the first round and the second, but it was one of those things where he, I think he did enough to edge out the second round, but a lot of people could have gave it to the to uh, Shelton. Because the momentum was kind of going on his side. Gotcha. Then he takes that momentum in the third. And we've seen that, right? Where a guy is a strong third. Is that but, Shelton? Yeah, Shelton. Yep. Gotcha. Where a guy is a strong third, right? But he loses the decision. And people like scream robbery, right? Whether they're watching at home or they're in the actual audience. Because it's bias. It's what we remo- it's recency bias. The same thing we criticize judges for, we're all guilty of. It's what we most saw recently, we're going to be most hanging on to. So I think it was one of those effects where even though it was close, and to be honest, I did say that I leaned toward Brooks 29-28, but that could have been toward a betting bias because, honestly, even, even in that moment, with bias included, you could have scored it for Shelton, and I would not have argued for a single second because yeah. that's how close this fight was. But that being said, I think someone argued with me on it, and uh, and they're like, how did, how did Brooks get the second round? And I said, well, even though I'm a guy who usually favors body of work over moments but the moments brooks had was he wobbled shelton he didn't drop him but he clearly wobbled him shelton got a takedown but that takedown was only maybe roughly 40 seconds and the takedown for 40 seconds was compromised by a guillotine threat in which brooks used jorge masvidal style to flip him over and get top position scramble back up to the feet and the, f- the fight remained standing gotcha. then after wobbling him and reversing said shelton takedown attempt Brooks gets a takedown of his own to close the round, which we all know, whether you agree with it or not, we all know scores high with the judges. So in my opinion, it ended him that round. He got the first, which is what most people scored it for. So again, people, it doesn't have to be a close fight or a, you know, to someone to win. If someone, or, How do I reword that? 
Fights are a lot closer than most people think because of the round-by-round -round scoring system. So even if you might not agree, but if someone is within striking distance to edge two of three rounds, that's all you need by the rules, people. So do we... True. You know, again, bad judging aside, which, you know, I don't think really is a strong card here, to be honest with me, with you. But you can't argue the, these, you know, repetitive things as far as uh, uh, how the judge... You know, uh, close rounds and shit. Anyways, sorry, I didn't know where I was going there. Let's move on to the next fight. Uh, Kylie Curran versus Jessica Alba. It's called Alba. alcohol. Yeah, it's true. It's called alcohol. What did you, uh, what did you watch? Oh, the Kaylin Curlin? Yeah. Oh, Kaylin Curlin. Holy shit. So anybody that's listening to this podcast, just understand, I don't have the responsibilities of Dan Tom. So when we're watching the fights, I'm drinking some alcohol. <laughs> so excuse my slurs and my mis, uh, mispronunciations, but... Curran was my girl. She was so... She, she still is. She's so fine. <laughs> but I didn't watch this fight and I'm bad. Because what was the other girl's name, Dan? You blew my mind at this girl earlier today. Alexandra really, Albu? Yes. Oh my goodness gracious. I blew your mind or did... Yeah, I saw your tweet your and I didn't know and I was oh. like, oh, who's this Curran girl fighting? And then I saw and I was like, good lord have mercy on my soul. I wish I watched that fight, but I didn't. So you can commentate from here on out, because I don't have nothing else to say. Well, what did you hand me the phone for? There were some tweets. I thought it was my Twitter, and it's like... Oh, it's was, Okay, yeah. yeah you can switch back to yours here. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm no, you can, working, it's yeah. all good, dude, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and by so the way, yeah, and by the way, sorry for the strong the strong start, by the way, uh, speaking of the drinking. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm not going to punish you guys for like another... Even though it was only like 20 minutes, the last after-part edition, I'm definitely not going to punish you guys for that again. Without a long thing, but I, but again, that was something I needed to get out with the picks and plays, and uh, and yeah, hopefully that's not a overtaking. But yeah, where were we? Fuck the jabronis. Fuck the jabronis. There we go. Jesus Christ, this thing's coming off the rails already. Um, yeah, we had Curran versus Albu. I did that tweet because yeah, it was funny. Like I always do these social media studies, and I'm I'm looking for kind of like I said on the breakdown podcast. I'm looking at fighters' weights to see how they're looking coming into the fight. And not even if they're looking good, because a lot of fighters look good the week of, but like I was saying in the last podcast, I'll look back four weeks ago, and if they're looking kind of thick then, and they look good now, I'm like, ooh, maybe not. And that was, I didn't mention it, by the way, but that was part of the reason why I picked um, Knight vs. Lamas, which we'll get to, because oh, Lamas was looking man. heavy, like three weeks out, and looks like he did a fast weight cut, but didn't affect him there. We'll get to that. Um, but That's yeah, next, um, right? but, but yeah, Albu, oh, she, yeah, Albu definitely had a lot of twerking, a lot of butt, butt action, a lot of squats, a lot of butt related things. A lot for, of butt, uh, butt action. Dude. And it, it was funny. Like, it was, it was not funny. I didn't understand what you said by the, the twerking. I was like, I, I just read it and I was like, I don't know what that means. And then later I saw that and I was like, I gotta check this girl out. Went to her, her Instagram. I was like, I was like 79 weeks deep, Dan. Jesus. That's when you know you've gone too deep on an Instagram. You, you're like, do I even like this post? Do I look like that guy right now? Yeah, you can't even. I don't even know. I'm making How it up. But I went you look at, Brian? deep, dude. I went deep. Oh my god, deeper than a, a rectal camera. I just saw six packs and butts, and I was like, God <laughs> damn. Anyways, so this is why you don't get me talking about that shit, Dan. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, I um, it's funny. Yeah, you have to look at these things. But Albu definitely has a healthy amount of that. And girlfriend just reminds me, "What are you looking at? I'm out social media study for fighters." Yeah, uh, I'm just studying. Albu's asked for 20 minutes. Hey, come on! It's a great butt. It was a scrappy fight back and forth, but I actually opted to cook my first of two burger, hey, uh, two burger servings I had throughout today. This, this was early afternoon. I can't believe that you had burgers before you came to grill burgers. I only had one burger. That was it. So it was really had, good. You had a burger to grill burgers. Yeah, I posted it on Twitter. It was a Toronto beef grass-fed burger. Oh. 
And some spinach and avocado and provolone there. Oh, went I all had fancy. avocado. I should offer that to you. Oh, it's all good, man. I just I went fancy with the one at home. I was already a little bit deep. I hedged my best. But yeah, I didn't watch any of this. I didn't see too many people arguing the decision that Alba took the first two rounds. But her lack of defense may catch up to her. And yeah, man. I mean, you like Kern maybe for God, yeah, you know her. Well, she's a good-looking girl, so I don't want to act like I don't appreciate her good looks. But, uh, you know, she's my Hawaiian sister, and you appreciate her for other reasons. So hopefully she bounces back, but I couldn't pick her for this clear reason, and Albu comes through with the decision. Yeah, I saw, I, I read. Yeah. All right, next fight. Uh, could, last fight on the avoid list, which I almost question myself for having on the avoid list, but getting the pick wrong justified it because we had Andre Feely as a 3-1 to favorite versus near 3-1 to uh, comeback underdog. Yep, yeah. uh, uh, Calvin Qatar, because it was shorter to notice. But it was weird. The intangibles I talked about with Qatar was more the De La Grate school of training, Muay Thai. He is a guy who's been real active in the amateur fight scene, which um, with, with Jared Brooks was a big thing with him. Then I breaking down his fight. That counts for a lot in this game. Um, you know, uh, So th- it was really uncertain. And he seemed like a real sharp guy, real spot on with his diet, was promoting around the fight scene. Didn't take a break from the game at all. Was just working on different areas. You know, uh, Shout out to James Lynch was watching his interview with Calvin Qatar. So that's why, even though I'm pretty high on Feely, you know I picked him against Rodriguez, right? You know, I picked him here. It's not that they didn't pick him here, but the reason why he was on the avoid list was, yes, because of that. And sure enough, Qatar, I missed the first half of this fight. From the last half, it looked like Qatar did his slow burn thing. Yeah. Getting his points, getting his, uh, working his his Muay Thai arsenal, his counters, his offense. So I did see the first round of this. Oh, okay. Fight. All right. I saw the, only the first round. What was your take? And the first I feel round? like Feely started off pretty okay. Okay. He did good. Distance was fine. He was landing some strikes, but after two minutes thirty seconds, it was Qatar's fight. <sighs> just For from sure. then on. From then on. And then I saw the highlights, and it just seemed to be the same thing. And it sucks because Feely's great, man. He's got potential. He just has a really hard time of getting a streak. I didn't realize that he's, since being in the UFC, he's won, 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 won. You know, he's won, won, lost, won, 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 lost, won. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. But, look, he's young. We've seen guys recover from worse, so it'll be good to see. Sounds good. Yep, yep, yeah. No, no, you're right. I, I, I think he'll have a shot to recover. I think the UFC will give him a nice spot here. Um, you know, his head seemed from the interviews I was listening to him, seemed in the right place. He was just focusing on what he could control. Yeah. Just uh, was a, a tougher guy than I think most people expected. Um, totally. Especially if, you could, especially if you weren't one that was researching guitar. I wasn't guitar. familiar, yeah. Yeah, and n- no shame there. Next fight uh, was our first play, uh, my first play and first prop. I had Moicano straight up, Moicano by decision. Nice. Oh, wow. And it looked to be kind of coming through if you consider that they were 1-1 going into the third. Yeah. And Moicano was out pointing him through the third until he crazily shot through yeah, Yuki. I agree. So not totally. that I'm hanging my hat on that. Not that I'm definitely taking away anything from Ortega. Yeah. But the pick wasn't that crazy out of play. Nevertheless, it was a wrong pick. Well, it's funny because I was talking to Big Silly about it. And we were watching the second. It was, okay. the, it was in the end of the second round. Okay. And I was like, you know, it's crazy because Ortega's boxing with this guy. But if he decided to take it to the ground, it'd be over in an instant. In my opinion, I don't know. I don't know a lot of his background. Right. 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 right? I don't know a lot of his background in jiu-jitsu, right. but I know how much of a beast Ortega is. So, to me, it was like, wow, look at Ortega. He's like, no, I want to show that I'm more than just a jiu-jitsu guy. So I, I give props to Ortega, man. It was really impressive win because he was he was striking with him, and you could tell every time he was getting hit, he was like, "Man, fuck that!" Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show what I am about, and I respect that. You know? 100%. He was looking, he was looking for the guy that could beat him, and he even said it in his victory speech. Yeah, I love his mentality, and I've been a big fan of Ortega. This wasn't like 
Like, uh, you know, people can, people can, you know, bump their chest in order to take a pick and be like, oh, see, everyone high on Moicano. Believe me, you know your boy hates narrative here. The reason why I was on Moicano was not meant narrative. Um, striking out, pointing, takedown defense, all those things, especially against a vet like Jeremy Stevens is what sold me against totally. like a guy like Ortega who was losing fights until the third round. Yeah. And you know, really everybody, it doesn't matter how good you are. There's plenty of guys who look way better than Ortega. We've seen those guys have to pay their taxes, Brian. That's why I bet him against him here. But in Ortega's defense, even though, or in Moicano's defense, even though Ortega, you were correct, Ortega was going to have the on-paper advantage on the floor, as we saw. Everyone knows. But one of the things I did say, depending on what statistics you're looking at, some don't even credit Moicano as having any belt. Some credit as having being a a ranked jiu-jitsu black belt or brown belt, depending on what you're looking at. It's really weird, depending on what site, what translation you're using. But... It, it, it's, it's like makes, John but he, come, but he comes from but the thing is he comes from a constrictor team which is Honey Yaya it's like a huge jiu jitsu oh, team and apparently he was like doing jiu jitsu Muay Thai since he was a kid but a lot of the things as you'll see missing translation from basic shit like guys height to reach or whatever when you're coming from these Brazilian or other you know uh, foreign third world whatever markets right mm-hmm. you're gonna have a lot of translation issue excuse me Moicano was excellent on the ground showed like a back take acumen like a motherfucker yeah. in past fights so I thought, well, maybe at the very least, he's young. He's only getting better from fight to fight. He will, uh, cheers. He will, um, you know, be able to like get away from that, or at least stay safe, score the late round takedowns, which was, uh, which was uh, a part of his game plan, which was smart. And even the time we got guillotined, it was a little earlier than his last takedown, but not really because his last takedown in the second round was a little late. I think he waited till the last thirty seconds, which. Even with judges now, you have to imagine judges are getting smarter with that. So that, yeah, totally. Right? Totally. So he does a smart thing where it's kind of a competitive round. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's only a minute, 20 seconds left in the last round. But instead of shooting with 20 seconds left, why don't I shoot it with a minute 20? I can survive with a minute 20. And that'll hedge my bets as far as securing a round that I know we both need, no matter how you score it. So in that sense, it was really smart for Moicano to go for the takedown. But the fact that it immediately led to a guillotine, boy, it doesn't make him look great. You know what no, I'm saying? And so credit true, yeah. to Ortega. Not nah, trying to take. Well, look, no one's trying to waste credit. There, His jujitsu is by on the point, way, man. But yeah, there's a reason the name is T City. Yeah. It was just a crazy fight. So. It was a great fight. Yeah, great fight. Props by the to way. Ortega. Yeah, fight, Dude, yeah. the the the, the the trading was on point, man. I feel like you know, yeah. for everything they gave it back to each other. And here's the question: That's like, is it? Does Ortega have a chin, which I was siding to, and regardless of whether or not Marcano can hit hard, I was giving Ortega 100% credit for not just his chin, but more important, composure. But the flip side to this, which is real, Moicano, skinny dude, not the heaviest striker, Mm -hmm. no TKO victories to his record. Look, who's been the guy that's been able to absorb punches with his face and lasted that long? Let's look at JDS. Same thing, man. He did the same thing. He just like, hey, you know, I'm going to throw to throw, and if you hit me, it's fine because you're not going to knock me out. And then here we are. 100%. Well, I like Ortega's growth, but I guess the thing I'm trying to say here is be weary if he gets put with not just a high rank contender, but more importantly, uh, as Nick Diaz would say, a hitter. Yeah. I think that's what you got to worry with with Ortega point, because yeah. this could be one of those false things where we see bop, him against bop, a guy bop. who's never gotten a strike. Put him against Stop Chad Mendes. And we're like, he's got a chin all of a sudden. And we're like, hmm. Put him against Chad Mendes. Ooh, that's a good fight. That's a possibly a good fight. I don't know what's going on with Chad Mendes. I think he's well, only got like six months left on his suspension. Possibly. I'm probably full of shit. I don't knows? even know either, brother. Well, let's go to the next fight. It was another straight play and decision prop that I dropped because I had Hannon Burrell, who opened as the dog. Who thought, who thought Hannon Burrell was going to get rocked? No. 
by this guy. There were people that were on Aljo, but there were also people who, at least that I know, were kind of Aljo homers. Now, there were people that I don't know, so maybe they weren't Aljo homers that were on it that were telling me online. Props to you people. I'm not yeah, trying to take away from totally. any of y'all, by the way. But I'm just saying that like, if you look at this from an analyst who can read between the lines to a semi-analyst, a semi-person who just knows how to look at the right fucking website for statistics, mm-hmm. either of those worlds, which I constantly on this podcast point out that numbers and technical analysis are two different things totally. doesn't matter both those things would have pointed to a hen and Burrell victory so by nature if you saw that Burrell open as the dog which he did that's almost like a play by nature i played it a lot of sharp people that i know played it yeah um who are actually in this business of it and uh but no excuses a wrong pick's a wrong pick i guess i'm more just saying that like kind of like what you iterated with the tone of your comment Come on. You're going to tell me, even if you were an Aljo fan two years ago, you're going to tell me that Aljo was going to uh, rock Hennon Burrell, be the first person to take him down in the UFC, first person to take him down in almost 10 years? Really? Yeah. My you're going to honestly tell me that with a straight face? M- Fuck that. It's true. But my opinion is this straight up, is as good as this makes Aljo look, how bad does this make Hennon Burrell look? And I don't want to take anything Nothing away. Aljo. No, he yes. looks great. He Absolutely. fought the but fight. Look, right. Like, I, dude... All respect, Al, Aljo. 100%. Due to the fact that who thought Aljo was going to rock Henan Burrell? Okay? Let's just yeah. be real here. Look, there that are, was the biggest tell of the whole look, fight. I, I'm not a mixed martial artist. I haven't trained mixed martial arts. I don't know technique like Dan Tom or a lot of these people listening to this podcast may understand. But what I see in a lot of ways is people reacting to punches. And there are two people in my head right away that I can think of that don't react to punches well. And there's one, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. and the second is Aljo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so in my opinion, I was looking at this fight as this dude is going to get destroyed. Right. Because if Hennon Burrell lands one power strike, he's going to shut down. And to be honest with you, he impressed me. Because I was like, God damn, you, you proved me wrong. So all props to Aljo for that. Right. But how much of that is the fact that TJ Dillashaw fucking ruined Burrell? Not yeah. once, but twice. And, and he reacts the same way as he did in TJ Dillashaw fights to any punch that rocks him. It's crazy. I agree, but I will say there's a strong caveat that that only became fully... Not... There wasn't hints. There were hints. But that only became fully apparent from this fight. The reason why I'm pointing out that caveat is because before this fight, the people that were detracting, a lot of smart people on Brow, but the people that were detracting in their defense, and they were right, credit given to them, people were detracting, saying that Burrell isn't the same, He's bro. Not, and what I was trying to say was that my pick for Burrell, decision prop and straight play included, was based on that he wasn't the same. Yeah. I don't think nor was expecting him yeah. to be the same. But How 97% but 97% takedown defense, best in bantamweight history best in any percent ufc history yeah Yeah, ufc saying 100 by the way but it's 97 to be real got you and a better striker against a guy who i was screaming at the top of my lungs hasn't developed a boxing game i love this guy but until he develops a boxing game how the fuck can we hype him why does he throw and that's and against caraway i picked caraway of course caraway fucking beat him and i've given aljo his due in losses and the loss after that which was a close loss that i gave him his due even though i picked Rafael somehow against him, and I definitely gave him his due and his win, which I did pick Aljo in mm-hmm. uh, against uh, what's his name, uh, the fucking Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, competitor guy from uh, MMA Lab. I've given him his fucking credit, but again, the boxing game is really new, so for him to get rocked. 
All right, Burrell does point out, yes, Burrell is not the same. But again, the, the, the caveat, people saying, yeah. Burrell's not the same, bro. Like, believe me, I knew he wasn't the same. Yeah. Even a half Burrell status, I believe, could have beat not just Aljo, but an improved version of Aljo. The problem was, Brian, tell me if this is what kind of comes full circle here mm-hmm. with what you kind of just said. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Aljo, but I think that, again, I pick, I mean, my pick's based on like a half status Burrell being able to get the job done, but I think that Burrell showed up and show that he is diminished below even that half status. He is just way, way low now. This is the thing, too. It's like you wonder, like, like I'm not even one to jump on this steroid accusation train. Mm, but like, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. how much of that was after USADA? Not not to take away anything from TJ Dillashaw, because I am a TJ Dillashaw fan. But as far as that goes, it's like, you know, how, you know with the concussion and with the fact that weight cuts were more brutal, he couldn't use IV... There's a lot of things that are going to diminish fighters. Absolutely. And how much of it is that, or how much of it is the TKO losses? There's a lot to factor with Burrell. And that that could be it, man. But- I just hate to see fighters like him ten years undefeated, at the cusp of MMA becoming like mainstream, just getting shut down. It's rough, man. It's rough oh, timing for sure. This is the most brutal sport. But for uh, that and, shit. and another reason why I mean it could be the steroids, but another reason why I didn't think it was necessarily that was because his brutal losses came before the USADA era. And two, after those brutal losses, you got to recover. But he makes a poor management decision with the yeah. team that, again, I've talked about this podcast before. As great as Nova and Yao is, um, Brazil and the Brazilian fighters don't have the same edge as far as training technology, and with that so comes true. diet technology. Even their coach, so look at, so look at, said it. Yeah, so look at their best. Look at their best fighters. What's been lacking? Diet, conditioning, mm-hmm. Aldo Brown, all, all these great guys. I respect guys, right? the fuck out of him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So what does he do? He doesn't not only not correct that after the two losses to Brown, he goes up and wait against an underrated people right off Jeremy Stevens because of his record. But that motherfucker's competitive. He's a quintessential underdog. And I picked him in that fight for a damn good reason. But. He makes a Brown makes a bad decision, goes up in weight, goes fights back out of the out of Brazil again, goes against Jeremy Stevens up a fucking weight class. Like he was gonna lose that fight, and he still did better than I thought he was gonna do. And then he goes and still fights at 145, but fights fights Felipe Nova. And we all joke about Felipe Nova because Dana White called him the next fucking Anderson Silva, yeah, and he didn't amount true. to be as much as we yeah. thought, right? Absolutely. Happened to a but, lot of guys. You know, yeah, it happened to a lot of guys. A and Felipe Nova, despite that, is still talented, despite that narrative. B mm-hmm. and granted, it was a close fight, but you're fighting at home. There's pressure to win. There's even more pressure to win because Barral was coming off of what? Uh, he hadn't won in fucking over two years. Lost his title. Lost three fights straight. Um, if anybody is going to fight smart, stupid, or smart fighter alike, they're going to fight smart at that time. So totally. I felt that the harshness on Barrow's killer instinct not being there was just... Totes. Defending my pick now, that being said, and standing by that, by the way, I do agree now. After seeing this fight, it is clear that Barrow and those battles clearly took a battle from him. Holy but, shit. But, yeah. but, but those people writing him off, though, I will say, you know... Even though you ended up being right here, again, there was logical reason why people like me and many other uh, other sharp people in the biz Just were put, the other like, side. The so thing. That's in it. my opinion, put Aljo against a striker that isn't in that state. Oh, put him no, against yeah. a guy that is not afraid to get hit. Well, I'll, I'll look to fade that for sure because you're probably going to get nice. You're going to get. You thought Aljo's line was inflated before pre caraway yeah, I'm not. He's trying going to back say, to being yeah. inflated oh, again. Totally. And, and not, not taking away from yeah, Aljo. Yeah, I'm not exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to take away anything from Aljo, right, but right, I'm not on the hype train yet. Right. We'll see where he goes. 
Right. Okay. Well, next fight we got uh, Llamas first night. This was my third straight play. I had night. I was wrong. He got Man. ice. But it was one of those fights that like, he, he almost was looked careless like, though. He just looked like he wanted to go out and like was on a suicide he mission. Was weird man. When he, he broke was... away from him, he let him hit him. But this is the yes. thing. Was my like I saw that happen, and he tagged him with the body. He went left, right to the body, left to the head, and then right hand. But that right hand, man, he turned it on. Right. You yeah. saw it. It oh, was like yeah. it was like light left, yeah. hard right. Light left, hard right to the face. And I was like, oh. It was weird. You had a guy that Jason Knight. It was great. It was beautiful. Jason Knight, by the way, it's not like I expected them to be defensively yeah. responsible. A.K.A. By the Hick way, Diaz. Yeah, Hick Diaz is like not that defensively responsible, even in his best performances. Yeah. I still picked him aside from that because of his volume, pressure. And I didn't talk about it in the last breakdown because I didn't get any fucking sleep. And somehow I still ended up reeling Story off a break. I'm a savage. Life, right? I know, Jesus. brother. I don't know what I do to myself. But Lamas tends to turtle and give his back. So I thought that if Jason Knight get his back, Lamas is underrated. He'll be able to defend. And like I said, I didn't think either of the guy would submit each other because they're both so talented. Yeah. But if, 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 if Jason Knight can get his back, which he's done in so many of his fights to win so rounds, true, yeah. there's a fucking round. You know what but I'm holy saying? Fuck, man. And then what he's got volume round. striking versus Ricardo. Ricardo Lamas, by the way, the only striker who doesn't fucking counter strike. I okay, haven't seen He that, circles, yeah. and I literally... Oh, I'm serious. I... Fucking took the time about four fucking <laughs> bet, times to watch his first fight from WEC and every fight since. You hear ironically, that? Every, that's the but, hours. Yes. <laughs> but ironically, the one fight where fucking Ricardo Lamas throws a counter shot, Whoa. the champion yeah. Max Holloway and Rock and not me that rocks him, but hits a fucking Max clean ball. Ironically awesome. enough, like that's Dude, the time. We've been on the Max Holloway train too, for a long fucking So time much respect to Lamas there, but I'm sure again, a lot of the listeners yeah. are too, but yeah, I'm they know, saying, they know. It's but, been but, around. But it shows that that I've been one to point out this weird thing about Lamas for some time yeah. now. That I did not said, expect Lamas to show up, man. But but that being said, and I didn't either, but if you go out with Jason Knight and you present zero defense, you're like, fucking hit me as hard as you can against a veteran who, again, even <laughs> though we want to... knows how to hit. Yeah. Who, yeah, he knows how to hit. We yeah, can, crit- no we can critique his process, but, still, but that doesn't change the fact mm. that he's a fucking hitter. Yeah. For a, 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 he's a big welterweight. Yeah, that right hand, dude, it was beautiful. Featherweight. But yeah, it was a be- beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> So, of wow. course, oh, Lamas did exactly what he was supposed to do. Just turned it on, man. Just turned it on. Full credit to Lamas. I definitely oh, totally. don't want to take away from him. By the way, uh, after his hate. last post-fight speech where his mom was battling cancer, like, oh, I didn't know that. he gets he me, like, that. so teary-eyed. Like, yeah, like, part of me was rooting for Lamas. No, he's so. been a good dude. Me too. I, I was yeah. rooting for him against There's Aldo, no... too. It was brutal to see, but yeah. Just no. because my bets are one it's way doesn't mean my things. heart is It's just one of those things. We're fickle as MMA fans. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even trying to sit here and defend myself. Yeah, we're so I picked against him, too. I mean, again, I can... We see someone lose, and we're like, ah, what a loser. He's not going to win. Right, right. And I wasn't doing that, but it's one of those things where, like, oh, again, I'm standing by my pick. Totally. I picked against him, but just because I pick against him, it doesn't mean my heart's not with him. Totally. And I'm happy for Lamas I here. I stop saying that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. But I'm happy for Lamas here, and the, and the caveat is, I guess, that uh, you can't say, though, that night, that wasn't a really extra kind of a weird performance from night, though. Not taking away from Lamas, but that was kind of just really weird. Either way, hopefully, the, the silver lining here, Brian, is that Lamas hopefully gets a nice, big top five fight on a main card or something nice and juicy for him. He deserves it. Totally. All but right. who? Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Hit us up. Let me know who. Hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. On that beat, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we will unpack the rest for the main card. The UFC 214 right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast.
right here in the Protect Your Neck podcast for the main card, UFC 214, as we recap inebriated, impassionated, if that's even a word, it doesn't matter. We're recapping it anyways. What's Ask up, Brian? Mike Goldberg. Oh my God. He actually had a post. You see him uh, make a little call in the main event there? Love that, man. Yeah. I hated him when he was here, but now I kind of He's that guy you work with, you know, where you're like, oh, man, I don't like you, but like, it's good to laugh at you sometimes because of how much of an ass you make of yourself. On that note, and for people that need humility like ourselves, let's uh, give a shout out to Mike Goldberg. Let's give this cheers to him cheers. while I open up. Cheers, Mike Goldberg. Dude. Like there I've said, Ooh, and a I lot of people have said, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dan Tom's a winner tonight. Yeah, dude, one he, way. He's a goof, but he's our goof. Well put. He's our goof. I like that. All right, let's move on to um, our main card. There was a note that I missed on that Hen and Burrell fight with the <coughs> leg lock thing, but I really don't want to get into another tangent. Yeah, let's not. So I'm just going to move on from that. Damn, um, that watermelon beer brings right back to Costa Rica, dude. It's the same exact Someone's rooting, ripping them off up there, no. out there, you said, huh? You know, we met the owner, and the guy said the same thing. He was ripping off different people's IPAs and different stuff. It was the only bar in Costa Rica I went to that had double IPA on tap. Joey Odessa, you know anything about this? I don't know if Joey Odessa's listening. Yo, now. he's a he's a Pura Vida, and, if he is. Yeah, he's a he's I a. I hate to be that white guy that went to Costa Rica <laughs> and is like Pura Vida. Well, we got love, we got love for Joey O because he's a, a, a Junkie Nation fam and uh, is out in Costa Rica with our buddy Joe as well, Joe who Suzuki. listens to the podcast. So of course, shout out to Joe. So bookies Studio are friends alike. to Joe Suzuki if he's listening to this shit. That's right, bookies are friends alike. You know we got your back here at the Protecting Neck Podcast. All right, first fight on the main card. Man, it was funny. Like, I closed the prelims at two and four in picks, which is a record low, maybe of all time, but for sure the worst prelims I've closed this year. Um, although the worst picks were. But all. This whole card has been. Yeah, and like, it was like every, everybody. Everybody when had it. So everyone I'm not even says believe stacked me. card. Believe me. That yep. means that there are close matchups. Whether, Bat, the, yeah. whether the odds books have it wrong, if you're an MMA fan. You can predict that shit a lot better. Like, well, not predict, but you you can see how it could end up this way. And that's a lot what I always say on this podcast: like parlay betting. First of all, is a madman sport. Um, betting on MMA is a madman sport. Even when you have a quote unquote good betting <laughs> card, parlaying MMA is even more of a madman sport. So We're, when not, you wonder, not as bad as like baseball with the fucking over under bullshit. Maybe, but that's what amazing. I'm saying is the reason why that again, not to harp back on it, but why I didn't have a parlay piece for this week, Brian. Yeah, same reason what you said, brother. I had a it's parlay. a fucking yeah. I had I had a, I two for one. I had a parlay oh, as, as, as I was actually one and two. Excuse me. As Wayne from uh, Wayne's World, that reminds me of a gun rack. Yeah, I don't even own <laughs> a uh, gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had Sorry. a parlay, but uh, it failed first off. <laughs> with the way the mood was going, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. With the way this is going, my pick Ozemir, which seemingly no one else was on. Not nobody, obviously. There was some of you on there, and props to you. But I'm just saying, in general, the analysts, betting, capper, community, not a lot of people were on Ozemir. I picked him, but I said, you know what? As bad as these prelims are going, Brian, Ozemir's almost a lock at this point. Yeah. Nonetheless, well, I thought his pressure would pay off. Although I didn't watch a lot of this fight, I looked yeah, up I and it was done. Say, I looked up and problem? it was done. This is the, the problem. Fuck? This is the problem with the first fight being a fucking slobber knocker. Okay. Because when we show up here, yeah. it's like, or when you, so excuse me, when Dan, Tom, and Cassie, his awesome girlfriend, show up with their dogs, 
it is immediately just like a shit show. Yeah, it is. It's like, hey, what's up? How you guys doing? Oh, what's up, Ben? Oh, and then the dogs are just fucking going crazy. Yeah. I don't have a gigantic fucking house. Yeah, you have your so own dog too, so just, three dogs. Yeah, so three dogs total running through a fucking Boxers. house as we're trying to say hello, as we're trying to watch the pay-per-view, as we're trying to drink beers and get the steaks <laughs> ready for the grill. Shit gets crazy, yes, okay? It does. So, unfortunately for us, we were watching it, but we were just like in that moment for a second, I realized. And my roommate, who's also named Brian, which is really strange, was the guy who reacted, which I love. It's hilarious. We yeah. turned this guy into an MMA fan. It's great. Because he was the guy who was like, oh! We were like, yeah. what, what the fuck happened? And we looked in, fucking Manuel's just fucking unconscious on his back, and we're like, what the fuck? Like, right? It's like, what the fuck happened? Yes. How did we miss this? We should have been fucking watching this fight. How did we. It, that, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just kind of how it goes here. One hundred percent. That's beautiful. Show. That was a beautiful recap. Yes. That actually was a better recap than we could put together. Because again, not to shovel disclaimers upon you about us drinking, but not only are we drinking, but there were also it's instances of grilling, yeah. uh, breaking up dog fights. There's like <laughs> some things going on. Like, this isn't a fucking so, mansion of a place. The three dogs in this yeah. house is a fucking wreck. If we are strong with opinions, but not strong in how we got to those opinions, that's probably why. Yeah. That's all, I'm, yeah. that's all yeah. I'm saying. But anyways, um, it was quick. I'm going to have to go rewatch that. But it but appeared in the clinch shit. that's where he swayed the momentum. You know what I like? Not the, taking breaks. Not yeah. taking breaks. Striking the whole time. Go ahead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Not to get to what happened right. in the main event here, but what I loved about his post-fight speech was that he said... I was watching the fight of John Jones and DC in their first fight, and I noticed a lot of clinch work in this exact position, and I realized that's what I need to do. I need to get good at that position, and I'm going to show that tonight. And that's exactly what he fucking did. And you know what's cool, too? man. I fucking love that. I respect the shit out of that. And I love the fact that he beat Manoa, because Manoa came in here so cocky. Look, after knocking two dudes out with a left hook like he did, I don't fucking blame him. But at the same time, dude, when you're talking about boxing a guy like your Conor fucking McGregor yes. outside of your division, it's another intangible. not even yeah. fucking focusing on the fact that you have to fight this guy and the fact that if this guy knocks you out, that boxing thing is done. There's no one that's going to watch you box a guy after a fucking KO loss. Yep. And I think Jimmy Vanna was like 36 or 37 years old and he didn't start oh, MMA. I didn't realize he's oh, so yeah. old. He's oh, that wow. old. And by the Holy way, shit. and this is this makes this is what makes him so impressive is he didn't start MMA and he didn't have a traditional martial arts or sport, wrestling, any type of background. And he didn't start till his thirties, so that's just an insane outlier. Okay, like and he John deserves Jones, yes. And I said on this podcast age. before, he deserves a hundred percent credit for that man. <laughs> and that left hook is one of the but nastiest fucking things I've seen, and but, I love it. But but that being said, if you are a late starter and you don't have that much time left on the board, well, that means you don't have a lot of time to waste. So, so kind of parlaying to what Brian was well, saying, you're spending that time talking about this and thinking yeah. about that and you have a real threat in front of you look if you're not above, a good thing if you're above 155 pounds excuse me if you're above 135 pounds and you think that you can look past your opponent you are mistaken and maybe even 135 but i'm just saying you know it's like one of those things if you're at a heavy weight class and you're overlooking a guy that is coming off of a first round knockout upset and you're like this guy's got nothing on me you're a fool you're a fucking fool, man. You know, this is a this is a one punch away from ruining a guy's day kind of sport, and I love that shit. 100%, man. And, um, you know, again, I'm not trying to move my chest too hard on this because it wasn't like a fight that I was confident in. I didn't play it straight. I didn't play it personally. Like I said, I barely bet this card at all. But I obviously had enough uh, information, in my opinion, to 
put my my name on the line as far as putting Ozdemir as my pick, which wasn't a popular pick. So, um, you know, g- good on Ozdemir for that. And with the social media studies, it's not an end-all, be-all. It's not a hard and fast rule. Yeah. But it is something you need to look at because people were like, well, why, why the wrestling? Ozdemir's one loss was to wrestling. I'm like, that was so long ago in Bellator. You don't know the equations of that. He didn't even start training in the United States until the last year, which is where he went on this run and has looked much better. Yeah. And then in his social media studies, he's constantly been wrestling this last year, not just working with Henry Hoof, South Florida, yeah. American Talents, top-level training partners, but I'm like, he's been constantly putting in the work, and Manawa doesn't do well when pressured. So that's why I picked this guy, because Ozdemir has more pressure and process, whereas Mazdawa, uh, Manawa more impressive, <coughs> yeah. more dangerous, more dude, spectacular, dude, more left, fun to watch, that left but hook was he whoo! doesn't do as well doing pressure. Yeah, it's true. And when guys aren't afraid of him, Manawa hasn't done as as well. And even I'd though say his last two KOs were pressured, but well, no, no, I, I understand like he wasn't. Uh, uh, OSP had a weird fight, which has showed he's shown to take a dump since that that fight oh, too. By yeah, the way, he was up against where the he cage. stayed up yeah. against the cage, but, but that's not pressure. Anybody who's pressured uh, Manawa though mm-hmm. has done well against him, and that's what yeah, Ozdemir does. With and that's why I picked against Ozdemir. Yeah, 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 because. Yeah. Because They're again, both against the cage. Ozemir right? not only is Ozemir getting pressure, but by the way, he came up being training partners with Alistair Overeem. Yeah, I saw Remember that. Moving? I didn't realize until that mm-hmm. until this fight week. Yeah. We watched those old Reem videos, Brian, where like Overeem would drop at liver shots with his partners. Like he's an asshole training partner, oh, yeah. and that guy was one Look of his him. main training partners. He's an asshole. That guy made the cut, and Overeem's fucking training partner. And then oh, who is he training partners with now? That now that he's not with Overeem in Amsterdam. Yeah, why does Overeem Anthony have Johnson? Worst chin? Anthony Johnson's main training partner we, was he Ozemir? Was, uh, Ozemir, yeah, in the. This last oh. this last year and a half, he was reportedly the only guy that was not afraid, which means you are by nature Anthony Johnson's regular training partner because most yeah. people on the planet Earth are Just rightfully afraid at, dude, of that guy. Michael Johnson can knock me out yeah. with his penis. I'm sure. So you're telling me that Alistair Overeem, Anthony Johnson, as much uh, flaws as they have as fighters and human beings, yeah. does not change the fact that they are the scariest fucking strikers in any division. Doesn't matter what, dude. And that guy was the main training partner. I don't think he's getting scared of Manawa here. I don't think he's getting intimidated, and he wasn't. So this is totally off subject, but this is, relates to our conversation here. You know, what I was thinking about after I watched Khalil knock out that guy, and I was I was watching it in Costa Rica on like some. Oh yeah, fight. you were in Costa Rica for that fight. So right? yeah, Paul Craig. What's crazy about that is I was like, man, this light heavyweight division is so like just dry right now. There's yeah. no there's no real competition. What if Khalil wins one, maybe two more fights, and Rumble Johnson comes out of retirement, and Khalil has to fight Rumble Johnson? What the fuck would happen? Oh my god! I know I don't mean to be that guy, but look, just fucking think about the that black, some, the black explosiveness. That is like Rampage said when he fought Marvin Eastman. That's black on black crime right there, dude. That think, is fucking. Think real. about it. Oh I know everyone god. listening to and this we're podcast friends, we're friends, right now. By the way, me and Brian are like uh, our, our friends have known Khalil, so we're a little biased there. But We've known Khalil since Khalil was seventeen year old Khalil. Uh, not fighting or any mention of that. Well, yeah. he was still fighting, but knocking people out in mosh pits. Well, yeah, it was a little different type different, of fighting. It was a little mosh fighting. pit. Not legal fighting, yes. <laughs> that was, those are the fun days. <laughs> those are the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> I've referenced to a couple of them here in the podcast. None in detail, by the yeah. way, if you want to share. But Man, it's so it crazy. It's times. like, where did my love of violence come from? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Years and years of watching it happen in front of me. That anyways. is funny. But anyways, not to take anything away from Manawa because like I've been burned picking against him. I totally. wouldn't have been surprised look, if I was burning. Look at that left hand, hook, man. man. It's fucking nasty. Oh, to the body so or to the face, it's disgusting. And I loved it. But like I said, man, you can't come in here underestimating anybody. Mm-hmm. 
anybody over a certain weight class. It's like they are dangerous, but man. But as we know, dude, I mean, we'll get to it in the main and co-main event where we're, we're talking about the top examples that do pay off. But not all examples of athletic knockout explosive dudes pay off. But we've oh, seen. Don't we've get seen, me started early, Dan. Right, but we've seen how that narrative just sucks people in. You get an explosive athletic dude who gets a knockout. They are God's greatest gift to ninety percent of MMA fans. So all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, what about process? Oh, what? what about grappling? What? what about mental durability? What? But people are just ready to write these people off. Luckily for them. If you're going with people who look athletic and are supernatural, well, chances are you're, you're probably doing well in your MMA picks. So I'm not being a hater there, but I'm pointing out, you know, the the, the, the obvious dichotomy of those choices there. So it gets a little tricky. So don't write off Manawa yet, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But at the same time, don't be so quick just because a guy's like the flashy knockout guy against the knockout. Pick him every time. We have to see what they are in other instances and in other environments and other types of fights then we can get maybe a better feel and back said players, said styles, or whatever. That's all I'm saying here. Next fight, we have Donald Cerrone versus Robbie Lawler. This was competitive fun all the way Holy through. Brian, shit, what's your opinion? I'll let you go first here, brother. Love both these guys. All right. No no hate to either of these guys, but Robbie Lawler is my fucking man. Right. I mean, I'm sure that's everybody that's listening to this shit, too. How do you not like Robbie Lawler? If you don't like Robbie Lawler, you don't like MMA. This guy is a yeah. monster. He comes in there and like shows like this is heart, this is determination, and this is I'm gonna fucking ruin your life if yeah. if you make one mistake. But in this fight, I had Donald Cerrone way out of this fight in my opinion. After watching him finally get KO'd for the first time, moving up a weight class against possibly the hardest hitter, like Nick Diaz says, man, nobody wants to take Robbie Lawler punches. It's not good for your health. It's true. Like look at that. That dude is vicious. Props to Cerrone, man. He showed heart. He showed the fact that he was able to recover after the first aggressive round. It was an all-around really good fight. Either either guy could have won that fight, in my opinion, and I wouldn't have been mad. But I'm glad that Lawler won, because Lawler is a fucking monster. 100%. I, maybe from live, maybe it was the commentating <laughs> that was uh, influencing us, because it seemed like from the crowd audience to the people scoring it live, that's where I saw the majority of Cerrone scores. And I don't want to say majority, that there was a lot, because... There was actually very. Oh, hold on. What the hell was that? I hope that was lightning. Jesus, one second. Everybody be cool. You be cool. And we're back. Wow, sorry about that. That was crazy lightning storms. It wasn't a, a bomb going off. Thunderstorms, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, man. That was random. The dogs went off there, so that's what y'all heard. Sorry for that. Well, they could hear the thunder on that, I'm pretty sure, but goddamn. Welcome to Las Vegas. So, yeah, sorry, we were joined by one more, a.k.a. the Luca Man. We have the Luca Man here, yeah. another one of, the, one of the three boxers in. But uh, speaking of boxers, man, Lawler versus Cerrone. Okay. So I essentially, I obviously had 29-28 for Lawler. Um, I believe I had the first and third round for him. Excuse me, because Lawler took the second round off, as he tends to do. Yeah, totally. Well, After his I, big rounds. I still gave him the first round, but I think I think Cerrone won the second round, man. That's I what think, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Lawler okay, took good. the second one off. Oh, Lawler took, yeah. Yeah, totally. he often does that. He often does that. Well, because he, he used to fight five-round fights, yeah. totally. I mean, think about how what is his last six fights have been five-round fights or something crazy. 100%. So I, I thought it was fairly clear, but I did see some people pretty... Maybe not pretty confident. I'm sure they, they need a, more than 140 characters to explain themselves, to be fair. But I did see some fairly confident, to be fair... Cerrone scores. I thought it yeah. was pretty clear one and three. Like I said, you? it could go anyway, man. It could have. I mean, it was, I feel it was like it was Lawler fight. first round. 
Mm-hmm. Second round was Cerrone. Third yep. round was definitely Lawler. Lawler was showing more aggression. Yep. I feel like Cerrone was a little bit more intimidated. Uh, Cerrone started off strong, kind of like uh, Jackson Wink Camp does, a.k.a. John Jones. But that's just kind of what happens. They start off strong, and then they end strong to try to win the rounds. Yeah. But I think it cost them this time. 100%. But like I said, man, what a fight. It, it, it lived up to expectation. I honestly thought Lawler was going to be able to put him away just because I'm biased and I thought he could, you know, with the power difference and the fact that he's one of the heaviest hitters in the division against the guys coming off of a KO, KO his first KO. It's hard to say. <clears throat> but like I said, I like both guys. I'm glad this fight lived up to the expectation and was able to go three rounds and it was actually enjoyable the whole three rounds. Me too. I don't think either guy really loses his stock in it. You know, oh, to be absolutely. Fair. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, I think we said that. After 100%. We yeah, we yeah, we did. Straight up, yeah. All right, well, next fight, um, Tanya Evinger versus Chris Cyborg. Holy shit. Uh, I only had one play on this one. This was the last prop. <coughs> this was the prop that actually hit, thankfully. Yeah. But uh, plus 150 for fight starts round two because, as I explained on the Breakdown podcast, Evinger is tough. As fuck. Uh, durable and can make it scrappy and scrambly at least enough to see their second round, which was more than true because she made it to the third, third round. How many women? Is there, there's gotta be, is she the only one? I was Minus on off watching Muay this one, brother. But well, I treat the same. You too? Same. Okay. But yeah, yeah. She was tough, though. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a question. That was what I was counting on for my bet, of course. But hopefully, there's even people... There's a lot people, of grilling going on at this point. In the yeah. Fight. Hopefully people that don't know Evinger, though... Got oh, respect man, for her, her too. Raised regard. Look, because yeah, the toughest women have fought this girl and have just dropped way earlier than her. She not to say fuck. Cyborg has definitely fucking just destroyed some cans. Right, right. But she's also fought some top top level competition. So respect to Cyborg for also not fading in the third round. She kept it up. She did a good job and she was able to finish it in the third. So props. I'm excited to see if we can actually have some fucking competition though. Because let's be real. The whole thing was her and fucking Ronda Rousey. But where'd that go? Nowhere. Because if she's getting knocked out at 135, Cyborg is going to just ruin the rest of Ronda's life. Scariest Boha. <clears throat> uh, Chris Cyborg or uh, Bigfoot Silva? Bigfoot Silva and Alistair Overeem. Forever. Probably was, yeah. Probably forever. Was. Forever. That is the most... One of the most badass moments in MMA history. But what if... Him just... I just knocked you out. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's getting pulled away by her team, but he's just like, ah! <laughs> we were cheering Ow. so hard. Oh my god! I think we both played Bigfoot Silver there. Was harder than it's ever been in its whole life. It was, I just, think, was that the run where we like we bet like against? We were like always betting his Overeem. Like we bet Ben no, Rothwell against them. That was when we it like, started. Yeah. That was when it started. That we probably kickstarted. We it, definitely yeah. did not bet him against Bigfoot or Brock. Oh, we didn't beat. We didn't bet Bigfoot in that fight. But after that fight, we started to go. Deep. That makes sense. Yes, we started to go deep on that. Makes, that makes sense. Well, also, oh, like Jesus. I said, in it's like we had to make fun of Joe with his Uber <laughs> aim, and Joe was there. Oh, Joe was man. still living here at the time, so we saw it happen in front hey, of Joe. Cyborg, but if what if Cyborg fought in the UFC when Usada was not in play? Does she, you think she can challenge Bigfoot for the for the most deepest boha? Probably. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Actually, probably one hundred percent. Oh my god! <laughs> either way, either if I was unconscious looking up at a guy and he's screaming "Poha!" I mean, he looks like one of the fucking one of those giant statues of hell or heads. I don't know if I want to bring this up, but did you watch the end with her and Gabby Garcia? The embedded, sorry. Were they headbutt? 
where they're just like going around like hanging out with her yeah. and Garcia and it's like look so like, I don't I want to be nice here but it was very <laughs> look so I'm gonna be really okay really ignorant here oh my I God, once no, saw no, a picture of Gabby Garcia where no. I was like god damn Gabby, sorry, Gabby Garcia doesn't look so bad in that picture and then I watched that embedded episode and I was like what the fuck is that is that a woman <laughs> I, like, like no. there was no look. So, like, I've watched her fight. I've seen pictures. I've even been like, "Damn, yo, what's up, Gabby Garcia?" In pictures. What? And then, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Fuck me, right? Yes, I was, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can go. Keep going. No keep explanation talking, for it. Okay, please, please. I can't explain what my penis feels. But there was this moment where I'm looking at her and I'm like, "Is that even a fucking?" woman and i know it sounds oh, awful but like i should have brought her up like i said it sounds fucking ignorant but I'm like sorry, folks. it's the first person i've ever been like wow okay well am i okay i'm gonna stop here <laughs> yeah i think we should because all the comments that i can think to possibly contribute are nowhere near appropriate even so. my dog is looking at you like what the fuck is my what yeah yeah right lucas like what is going on right now i'm gonna it's... push the conversation forward my mom said if you don't have anything nice to say <laughs> don't, don't say, say it, it all, all. No, no, right. <laughs> i'm sorry for bringing that up i'm gonna take oh. it i'm gonna take credit for that one <laughs> and we're gonna go ahead from passing on a possibly sketchy situation to probably Digging ourselves oh, deeper God. as we talk about Tyron Woodley versus Damian really Maya. Come next? <laughs> oh, no. Do I really have to go right now? <laughs> After you Jesus. already went probably too deep. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Listen, listen, listen. I may be safe to say, you know, nothing personal, by the way, at all. Because, by the way, I said on this podcast before, not on just the last podcast, but even ones before that, this isn't revisionist history. I respect Willie outside of the cage, his community efforts and Ferguson. Any man that steps into anything, that octagon he, has my respect. Yeah, any man that does anything in the octagon, but even outside of the octagon, the things he's done for Ferguson and that community, oh, and totally. communities that society, even in America, one of the most grateful societies have have forgotten about, believe me, that shit should not go overlooked. No, Willie totally. deserves your fucking credit, and I personally have a shit ton of respect for him from that. That being said... Y'all know, and I'll let Brian elaborate on this. I'm about to throw it to him here in a second, and because I know he hasn't been, I guess the word, as if we steal the parlance from GSP, we haven't been quite impressed with his performances. And I think so it's because of, understandable, not just because multiple arenas from uh, Vegas to New York to California yelling boring and people not being pleased with it, yeah. but it's more because, not just the conservative style, but as I tweeted earlier, it's his conservative style in contrast to the clear athletic gifts and superiority he has amongst his contemporaries, yeah. and he still elects it. <clears throat> Brian, um, I know you have some strong opinions about this. I felt like I was like not watching it at times because I was just like, my eyes expect? were drawing out. Yeah, what do you expect? But uh, what, what's your opinions here, sir? So I agree with you 100%. I feel like when I think of a champion, I think personality-wise, Tyron Woodley is it, right? No mm-hmm. disrespect to him as being... A guy who should be a champion. I I think his personality is great. I have nothing against him personally. But what I hate about him is that he is claiming to be the most exciting welterweight champion of all time. Okay, against GSP, you don't have a lot to top, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be real. I was a hater of GSP while GSP was a champion. But I respect the shit out of what GSP did. GSP was able to beat 
the people that were already dominating the time, the old guys of MMA, yeah. he was able to beat the generation of his guys in MMA, yep. and he was able to beat the generation of the new generation of MMA. Very true. So I respect the shit out of GSP. Yeah. No matter how boring his fights were, no matter how much shit I talked when I watched his fights, I respect 100 percent with you on that. Yes, he is a great champion. He dominated. No matter if it was exciting or not, he was able to nullify people's game plans, and I respect that. But with Tyron Woodley, you cannot claim to be the most exciting champion of the world when your first title of defense was a draw. Your next title of defense against the same guy was the most boring title fight in MMA history, in my opinion. And now you go against a guy who's a grappler. You land one good hook on the first takedown defense and don't land much afterwards. Yes, you're a power hitter. But you did a lot of damage early on and just coasted to a decision. The movement in his fights, man, you see him. He, he just like, oh, I'm going to move forward. Make it look like I'm going to hit you, but I'm not going to hit you. And I get feints. I get feints. But he's doing it to score points. To make it look, excuse me, to make it look like he's being aggressive. But he's not being aggressive. He's not landing strikes. He's throwing, doing, moving. But there's nothing in there that's actually an attack. And... Thank God for Joe Rogan. I have hated on Joe Rogan, even on this podcast, about how sometimes I'm just like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just stop talking sometimes, right? I'm a fan of Joe Rogan. I'm not even trying to be a dick about it, but sometimes he, he just oversteps his boundaries. In this moment, when he said to Woodley in the pre-fight or after the post-fight speech, and he said, how does it feel to know that you have the least strikes thrown to win a championship belt in UFC history? And all of this as he points at the crowd booing at him. And he said, basically, so how does it feel to fucking suck? In my opinion. I know that sounds so bad. But holy shit, I would have high-fived Joe Rogan 12 times if I was there. Because that's the truth, man. It's like, look, you have had the most boring rise to the welterweight champion. And the most boring defenses as being the champion. And if you had just done that shut the fuck up and showed up and fought and be, been the respectable guy that you are in, in person and outside of the cage, I would have been on board, dude, because we're used to that in the welterweight division. But when you're going to sit there and say you are the most exciting welterweight champion in the UFC history, I cannot jump on board and I will not support that because you're boring as fuck. Two things, so if I can remember the two things. First of all, with uh, in regards to that, what I will say is that I agree in, in a similar spirit, and the way I'll put it is this, in that <clears throat> Woodley, I can sympathize with him on a lot of negatives, and I almost wish he would reveal more to us as far as the racism and mistreatment he might totally. have faced behind the scenes. Like I said. Because that, with the state of the UFC, how they run things, first of all, sadly, because I'm a UFC guy, but sadly, yeah. wouldn't surprise me, and two, I think would gain more sympathy <clears throat> to Woodley's side for these things. But regardless, regardless of those things and whatever speculation, there, yeah. yeah, regardless of any speculation, there there is certain things where it's like you want to be um, sympathetic for Woodley for the negative, and of course for the positive, taking nothing away from Woodley. Yeah, there is no so much to accolade there for yeah. the man, right? Totally. But the problem with that equation, with having so much great from naturally <laughs> to accomplishments and so forth, and even having things you can sympathize with the man with. If you go out there, even if you have that, as we are giving credit to Woodley, even if you have that, folks, but you go out there and you just play the role of victim yeah. and you don't go above and beyond to yeah. achieve, 
much less as your job as a UFC fighter, because clearly they'll cut people who are winners if they're not entertainers. So, again, your job as a UFC fighter, and of course as a champion, perhaps even doubly duty as a champion, because not only is it your duty to make money for the organization that gave you the right and the spotlight to become champion, and again, I'm not trying to be overly pro-UFC, they should pay no. their more fighters, but that's not what I'm talking about here, yeah, folks. True. But These guys this, give it an opportunity. This, to and that opportunity yeah. isn't just to help the UFC, because more importantly, it's to help who? Them. Woodley, who's a champion. Woodley, whose champions make pay-per-view points. <clears throat> they have the better sponsorships and commercial opportunities. Fighters, Everything. Fighters just need to brand themselves. Everything. It, it's 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 equal parts in my point. Don't let's let's right. not get on that. But in my right. in my decision, I feel like that is a fifty fifty thing. So again, that's what I'm saying. I think that there's definitely <clears throat> places to be sympathetic for Woodley, and there's more than enough places to praise Woodley. <clears throat> The problem is He's when you. The champion. problem is when you. It's even if you have that in your in your corner, if you go out there and play victim, it's a really risky bet to play, especially when you're playing victim and what you are giving in return. Well, not the most defensible things, and I've been one to try to defend Woodley. Totally. Believe me, and I, like I tweeted earlier, it's tough because again, his clear athletic gifts and the conservative kind of way. Do I think the judges got it wrong? No way. That's why I picked Woodley. That's why I picked Woodley by decision. Yeah. Um, kind of parlaying back to that because, again, the Woodley by decision was the analyst pick, but that's different from the betting pick, which we already went over. And I guess the second point I wanted to bring up was, well, let me think out loud here. The first point was, I guess, more the victimization point. Let's get to it. Ready, set. God damn it. I can't remember, Brian. You God know, damn it. Alcohol. You know. Do you have anything on top of your head you want to touch on this fight? Um, Maya's left hand. Yeah, he he uh, underrated striking. We he was called it. There. And I Woodley mean, accredited look, too. Look, Woodley accredited to it. I can't help but oh at times, man. You hear me? Everyone in the room is like, "What the fuck, dude?" I just scream. Oh, yeah. but he landed a lot of left hands that made me go, "Oh, I'm gonna freak out for here." You know, you know what and I'm you were the it only one doing that. But you know what? Yeah. You were right because even Woodley himself said it in the post fight. Yeah, yeah, he said it was a post fight. He's I'm telling you, man. Shots I don't know a lot about MMA as far as technique goes. I'm not gonna sit here and be a technique freak. But I can tell when a man has been hit. It's funny. I said hit. that in one of the podcasts a couple ago where I said that's one weird thing where it's like uh, if I had to say anything where I know my buddy Brian here is better than me at as far as analyzing fights is, is it live while we're watching live? First of all, me watching live, you know my scorecards aren't the greatest. But no, but all credit to Brian. Watching live, he knows when somebody like gets hit or rocked or tagged. Like, I'll listen to his opinion more than mine because for whatever reason, this motherfucker is way more accurate than me when that stuff. And again... Yeah. Woodley even admitted to that for yeah, whatever to that's worth. Hand. He landed a couple left hands. That's true. He, if he would have kept throwing left hands, man, I think he would. It would have been like an Alistair Overeem uh, for Brice of Verdum too. If Verdum was able to throw more strikes in that fight, he would have won that fight. Hundred percent. And uh, you know, again, even though I was rooting for Maya, the pick was Woodley, and the pick was right. The judges got it right. And even though I can't defend Woodley on the boring performances, which I, I think we did a pretty good job explaining, I don't want to harp on that. Yeah. I can't remember what my second goddamn Look, point is. Look, he's a good is, champion. I respect, him. Good, yeah. I respect him as being what like you would look at a guy in that role to be. Right. And, and I have no hatred upon that. And I don't know the hardships that Woodley's have to go, had to go through to be this guy, to be in the point that he's in his career. And there's no hatred upon that. Right. All I'm ha- harping on here is the fact that he is deciding to claim himself as the most exciting welterweight champion in the world, and he has put on the most, not only the most boring rise to champion, but the most boring defenses of champion. 100%. With GSP being the former champion. 
and I hate I'm to done. be that guy. Yep, and I hate to be that guy to like look at perspective. But we've talked about that before, from the leg kick to Carlos Condit to beating guys on their way out to questionable decisions. Like and being Wonderboy so Thompson about it when argue. he beat Carlos Condit. Yeah, that was the worst. That was the worst for me. And yeah, he he's done a lot of work since then to reverse that opinion for no, both totally. of us. It's not a. But personal that was one of those things. That was a perfect example of what we're talking about. So credit to Willie. And I guess the more thing, forget our opinions, guys. Here, the more thing. And the, the most important, I guess, lesson out of this, thing. and the most, the most sympathy in Woodley's defense, the most sympathy to Woodley <coughs> is the fact that we should actually feel bad for Woodley because this was the worst thing that happened for him. Another controversial, not controversial in the sense of, you know, we all scored it for him, of course, but controversial in the sense of what we're talking about. Advertising so much and delivering so little. I know, it sounds so and bad. That's what, like, I almost feel like, bad for Woodley We're fickle fans, like, man. Fuck. And, like, when you have Rumble Johnson, who, to casual fans, let's be real, if they put Rumble Johnson on the screen and they put Tyron Woodley on the screen mm-hmm. without them being next to each other, people would think they probably fight in the same weight class. Wow. So when they see Tyron Woodley walk into the ring as being as monstrous as he is, they're yeah. like, this guy's going to fucking knock this guy mm-hmm. out, right? Right? We're trained as that, as mm-hmm. a casual fan at least. And they're going to look at that and they're going to, this guy's going to knock him the fuck out. It's over. This is this is done. Look at this fucking guy. He's skinny, mm-hmm. lanky. He's not going to do anything. Oh, look at failed takedown offenses. So, of course, they're going to boo live. Right, right. And you got you got to feel for Woodley in that defense because you have to defend your title as a champion. Yeah. But don't claim to be the most exciting. And best and all this stuff, yeah. Stop. No. Stop. Yeah, no, Stop. sorry. Earn that. Don't Don't claim it. Earn it. And defense is why we love guys like Randy Couture, Dan Henderson, BJ Penn, because people want to come fucking look at their records. But look at their records. I'm like, but you weren't watching the sport, motherfucker. Yeah, they don't. went against anybody, anytime, the heart of this motherfucking sport. And I don't care if you don't agree. It's your right to not agree. But that is why I, I side with real fucking men and, and real fucking much, fighters as much as uh, I, over, I over over perfect records. So anyways. Conor McGregor, it's the same thing. Same thing. You know? Yeah. You got to respect it. After he puts it on the line. Yeah. He might have, you know, he might fight anybody. He he might might have been favorable conditions, but would they have favorable conditions? He picked a forty year old when at right after the guy said uh, the worst time to fight him for me would probably be July because I have seminars booked all month and I'm tired and I'm almost forty. And what did Woodley do? I want to fight that guy next. So again, these are hard. I'm not picking on Woodley for that. That's smart on his end. But if it's you're gonna go and put a lackluster man. performance after fucking if picking on me, an older I'd guy be, like that, well, I'd be picking sorry. Uh, if it was me, I'd be picking strategically. 100%. So like I said, I'm not 100%. that guy. 100%. So it's fair both ways is what we're saying. We're, we're being realist here. The next one, though, man, I can't help but have personal feelings. My God, I thought I felt bad when Daniel Cormier cried. Uh, losing to Jones the first time, he was the guy. As you know, as you know, Brian, we we've long been calling out the John Jones thing, and Daniel Cormier was our guy that we thought from a long time because me and you've been watching him from the Strike Force days before it was even talked about. Two hundred five, we're like, there's no way this guy can't go to two hundred five, right? And if he does, he has to be the guy to beat John Jones because, as y'all know, if you've been following the sport, John Jones has been the conundrum and greatest, quote unquote, for quite some time. And what I hate, especially as somebody who's fucking given brain cells to this fucking sport, as the person you're hearing right now will never be the same for what I've fucking given. So if I get a little passionate, fuck you. <laughs> um, I've given this, so I understand that. But he's not. I have, and even I haven't even given as much as the fighters on this fucking, fucking roster has given us. 
So um, when I see a fighter fucking break and cry mentally, and as much as you want to be like, use it to feel because you're John Jones fucking nut hugger, congratulations, you picked the best guy in a sport. I don't know what that says about you or what that says about your picking or acumen or as much as you want to bump your chest, whatever. I'm not taking anything away from that, but fuck you. If you were going to disrespect... Daniel Cormier for fucking crying for anybody taking the gifs from his first fight to this new fight for taking you know oh look at him cry or this or that like seriously fuck you that's a fucking real man right there he gave it his all he was at an unfortunate spot that's almost poetic and unfortunate it is that he was the best he could be considered the pound for pound best for being undefeated strike force grand p undefeated heavyweight only reason why he didn't get the heavyweight belt arguably because his teammate widely considered the greatest heavyweight Cain Velasquez who we gave miles and training partners to uh, and and coaching to it aka went to light heavyweight became undefeated win championships consistently defended without fucking doing coke, hitting pregnant women, or whatever the fuck else. And we are going to boo this man. We are going to screenshot and make him cry. When 90% of you fucking listen to this, probably haven't even gotten in a grappling tournament, much less a smoker, much less a real fucking cage fight, much less challenge yourself as human fucking beings. Yes, I'm sounding passionate because... Well, guess what? Dan Tom's a person who fucking challenged himself like that. And that's why I always fucking respect people who do that. So I respect Daniel Cormier and even John Jones, who we'll get to. I'm about to throw it to my man Brian here, and we fucking hate it on. As much as I don't like John Jones, he, and maybe Brian might have a different opinion on this, but I'm actually giving credit to John Jones here. He gave respect to fucking Daniel Cormier. So... With those fuck yous and fucking uh, sober up, best recognizes out of the way. Brian, what's your thoughts about this to calm my ass down? I mean, by the way, my pick was Jones, by the way. Believe it or not, despite that rant, my pick was Jones. I was right on that. Clearly don't feel good about it. Brian, what's your pick? So listen, John Jones just proved to all of us that he is the best light heavyweight that's ever lived. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to hate on that. I'm not going to deny that. If he if he would have won a decision, I would have not been impressed. I am impressed. I like I like the fact that he came in there after so much time off and he was more impressive in in, in victory. Yep. I'll give him that. As an as a mixed martial artist, as a guy who steps into the octagon and fights another man, as a person, I have no respect for John Jones, and I'm not gonna go into detail about my dislike for it, but. The truth is this, man, is there's going to be a day where karma catches up with this guy. Yep. And I will be the first to celebrate it. Oh, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I mean, you know, it's, it's just this, like, you say he showed his respect to Daniel Cormier. It was so fucking fake, man. We've been, we've been claiming this fakeness for fucking years. Look, I, we live in Las Vegas. This is, this is the city of fake people. This is the city of terrible things. And when you live here a long time, you catch on to the vibe of the same kind of vibe of a fake individual. And we caught on to this really early. Before John Jones crashes Bentley with two hookers in the backseat, we caught on to this. And that was validation for me to realize, like, this dude sucks. I yep. get it. Yep. I get I've been in a band... <clears throat> I understand the kind of ego that can be created in that environment. And I'm not trying to say, like, I toured the world or I was a world fucking champion. But what I'm saying is I understand how your ego can be tested. But to be the guy to do the things that John Jones has done and then 
never really just say, wow, look at the things I've done to affect other people. It's been more of, look at the things I've done that could have fucking ruined my life, man. Yeah, like you said, the way he recapped the hitting the pregnant woman. The you watch the thing. Joe Rogan podcast, man. It's it's the cringiest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. You, you try to sit here and say that you're a better man and everything that you're talking about that happened in the situation, what, when it's a woman that's pregnant and you're saying that if, if she would have had complications with the birth, that would have been 10,000 times worse for me. So he yeah. said, yeah, he did. yeah, 100%. Not this, this would have ruined not only the life of a potential child, nope. but the life of the family, yeah. the father, the mother, the grandmother, the grandfather on two sides of the family. And that was never fucking mentioned, man. Like, there's no empathy with this guy. It's literally just a sociopathic, narcissistic lifestyle. And, and, and look, this is just my opinion. If you don't agree with this, that's completely fine. And I'm not going to argue with you. Because if you don't agree, then I don't feel like you've analyzed people enough. This is who this guy is. This is what he's going to do for the rest of his life. I don't see him changing at any point. So I'll never be a John Jones fan, but I will respect the things he does inside the octagon. Really well said, man. And uh, I can't disagree with that, even though I'm giving him credit here. I don't disagree that it's probably not the most sincere because, like I said at the weigh-ins, which I didn't see anybody tweet about, but at the weigh-in speech, although I will kind of ease up and say that the the ladies' quote, which I thought was inappropriate, like you said on Reddit, was apparently toward his daughters, which I was going to say was really classless considered they cut away to his wife <clears throat> and daughters shortly after that. Yeah. But... Still, he opened his speech with the Rogan after the weigh-ins by making a comment on, hey, I made it to the event. Yeah, fuck that guy. Which is essentially, you're making a joke, you're breaking the ice by commenting on how you ruined totally. the UFC's biggest event that last year, and um, even more underlining, you are joking about your drug <coughs> problem that you're trying, you should at least be trying to be people convince your past, but you're sitting here making light of it, saying fuck you as your, op- that's your Icebreaker. Yeah. Now again, if you uh, didn't have kids, right, you could talk about doing coke. I don't give a shit. And like you said, and like you said, this there's a separation between fighter and person, and I get that. But for people being I'm like not a fighter, but and, I'm a person, right, and for people being like, oh well, this isn't. They're not. They never signed a role to be role model. He, I know he said that, and I know defenders and even non-defenders, just people that I respect with opinions, have said, mm-hmm. well, he's not a role model. I agree. He's not his fucking job. It's not anybody's job. It's totally not his job. But just because it's not his job, does that mean it's not the person's job? Who, God forbid, a drunk driver takes out your wife and fucking kids on the road? Was it their job not to kill? You? No, that guy's job was probably uh, fucking. Uh, truck driver for Coca-Cola um, his job was probably to in, in, you know, in a literal sense and in a spiritual sense his job was to take care of himself which he probably did a shitty job of because he made himself a shitty human being who drank, got on the road and killed your family now just because it wasn't his job not to kill your family does that mean we don't fucking judge character? granted very extreme example you use there Dan but the fucking point remains the same just because we can respect somebody like you just said, Brian, as a fighter, which I do, as an analyst, I picked him again. I've never not given him credit for but one thing. But you've been a fighter. You can, but, you can respect that him on the level. I've well, never been too. a fighter. That too. But like that, I said, that I too. But, as a, but, but I as a person. As a person. But as a, yeah, actually, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Is that as a person, no, I don't have to fucking like the guy. And like I said on my last podcast, I'm picking, you know, uh, I don't want to lump into Woodley with Jones. I actually think Woodley's a good person. I yeah, apologize great. for that. But I should just say, I'm picking complete Jones. Complete opposite. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Complete opposite, in fact. Um, I'm picking Jones 
Um, but that doesn't mean I have to fucking like him as a person. Yeah. And yes, I agree with you with y'all saying that you know these people don't have to be role models. Totally. But does that mean we have to like them as a person? Totally. A doesn't no. Mean I can't talk shit about B. Him. Why the fuck are you arguing with that? Because it kind of shows your character. You're really. It's like the people that are defending. I think Floyd Mayweather is gonna. Uh, by the way, uh, my fucking website. Thank you guys have broken records in the last couple of months. MixedMartialAnals.com. Not one Mayweather McGregor fucking episode, and my mom and pop website that you know again for whatever reason can't get picked up for right now is fucking breaking records. So fuck y'all without having to do any May May Mac. Um, what's up? You hear that? Breaking records. Breaking records. That's right. But uh, anyways, I pick. I'm actually picking Mayweather, but it's one of those things. It's like I'm picking Mayweather. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't get the whole defending Mayweather as a person thing, you know, or this or that, or at least, at the very least, ignoring him. Like, hey, man, make your argument as to why he's going to win the pick. I agree. I'm with you on that, in fact. Totally. But as a person, like, I don't get how we can ignore this. And if you want to ignore it, it's fine. I'm not fucking waging war on anybody. But people counteracting my argument saying, well, I don't get why you like Joe. It's like, really? You don't get why I don't like him? Yeah. Uh, Or secondly, why don't you give... It's like, just... Or or it's on the opposite where... You don't like him. You're not giving credit to him. I'm like, oh no, I only fucking have given credit to him and picked him every time he fought I just, and wrote fucking thousand words and how he's fucking awesome. Yeah, he's that awesome. doesn't mean I have to like him as a person, though. People, it's but, fucking not red team versus blue team. That's not how intelligent people no, think. I'm sorry, but, rant, no. rant done. Go. But it's really about empathy, man. If you have empathy in your life, if the way you look at any situation is you can understand someone else's situation, you can, yeah, you can put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah. If you if you're able to do that. You can look at John Jones and go, God damn, that guy's a piece of shit. Right. Because he is unable to do that. Yeah. Everything is about him. And, and, and like I said, we're all products of our environment as people, as individuals. We, we can't help the environment we were put up in or grown up in. And, and I understand that. And I'm not trying to say anything different. But the point being is that I've experienced enough things in my life to look at other people and be able to put myself in their shoes to understand why things happen and why they were pieces of shit. But with John Jones, I don't have that. I don't, especially when there's multiple I can't occasions, right? Put myself in John Jones' shoes and understand why I ran from a hit and run, hopped a wall, hopped back over the wall to run back for a wad of cash, yeah. and then run away and consider yourself a champion. End rant. Yeah. And, uh, I will say though, in Jones's defense, and I guess where maybe we we, we we might slightly differ, although I agree that I, I'm not like sold like he's a good person or that he was 100 percent genuine. But I guess the reason why I am defending John Jones and his post fight Brian is because it seemed to me that maybe okay maybe it wasn't like completely genuine. Although I'm I'm really trying my best to defend Jones and play devil's advocate here. Um, what I got from him when I saw that post fight speech is Daniel was broken twice as hard as before and I hate using the word broken because people like I said who have never fucking put themselves out there in real life much less in a real fight um, before are going to use this word to fucking degrade people and they don't they've never have no idea what real pressure is in life is which pisses me off it's another story but he was clearly broken twice more than than the last fight okay I agree and, with that and let's not but what I'm saying is Sorry, no, what I'm saying is that um, I think Jones saw that and I think it was like the typical case of relating Johns to a kid just for this example and also because 
Eh, let's be honest. This probably relates more to. He's probably more analogies of him relating to a kid that makes it easier to understand the to stand stand his behavior sometimes. But like a kid who's spoiled and gets his way. Even the worst kids, the bratty's kids. We've had those friends. We've had those cousins. Maybe they were their brother or sisters. We've had that growing up as kids, right? If we've had somewhat of normal growing up in civilization um, relations. And John Jones, it felt like at the post-fight speech, felt like that kid there, where even though he doesn't fucking deserve it, and even though his mom fucking bought him the toys and sided with him in every argument either way, even those kids occasionally go, oh shit, I have nothing more to win, and this person is broken. The least I could do is like show, I know I'm not gonna, even as dumb and as arrogant as I am, I understand that I've done enough damage to where I probably won't see them again. I've already won said battle. Maybe we give them a little sympathy, which at this point is way more fucking deserved for Cormier. He deserves it all, but I'm just saying in defense of Jones, he might not have been 100% genuine, but I think it was genuine in the sense, in, in his defense, it was genuine in the sense of I think he realized that, you know what, I won the battle, I'm not going to have to face him again, and uh, oh my god, this guy's a family man of this and of that, because as bad as even guys like me and you want to say John Jones is, I have to imagine that he is not waking up every day trying to be whatever person we or many other think he is. And he has to be somewhat human, obviously, if that's being said. And it showed itself there. So, again, I'm not asking for you, Brian, or anybody else to agree. But just to show that even though we are harsh on John Jones, I do take the time to recognize and appreciate the good thing he does in competition. And even the seldom, very seldom, things he does outside of competition, I will give credit for. Yeah. So, one thing we haven't mentioned is that... DC was winning that fight up until that head okay. kick. Now, you say DC was winning the fight. I don't necessarily disagree, but I loosely say that he was winning the fight in the sense of I edged the first round for Jones, which <laughs> I saw some people give to Cormier online. I gave the second round for Cormier, which I saw much more people agree with me on that, maybe a but 75 you have to percentile. Add the fact that Cormier is the current champion. Cormier is the current cha- champion too, but also momentum, uh, yeah. the unspoken momentum, not the unwritten rule of gotcha. siding with the champion, but the unspoken yeah. momentum. I do feel was on Cormier's side until that head kick landed. Yeah. So in that Fuck. sense, yeah. I had them one to one with the momentum prior the head kick. All going in Cormier. Mo- Cormier's fender. So in that yeah. sense, I had it for Cormier. Is that how you had it? Yeah. Or did you have the first That's round as well? That's about what I mean. Okay. Oh, well, right, cool. I, do, I, do, I do think that Cormier could have edged the first round. Okay. And people, even though I didn't have that, other yeah. people did. So you're not so, crazy there. For so, sure. For sure. Okay. I am pretty crazy, but not crazy. Hey, we're both crazy. Let's be honest. You're listening <laughs> this far. You know we're fucking crazy. Let's be but, honest. But not to be John Jones haters as a fighter, like I said, I'm not that guy. I don't, I don't put it all on the line like these guys do. And I will always and forever respect any man that does that. Whether it's in the streets or in the octagon, I respect any man that puts it on the line like that. The embarrassment level alone is through the fucking roof. So what I say about John Jones and being negative is from a, a human being standpoint and not from a fighting standpoint. And that's why anytime I speak of John Jones in the octagon, I have nothing but respect for it. I watched this dude make Shogun Hua fucking tap to strikes yeah okay i was there live well not physically live but i watched that live i've seen it happen i know what he's capable of and i will never deny that remember that but i will not support it and i will not say that he's a good person or a good champion 100 percent. i think just to close it i think i think the thing that not just in this podcast but many other after parties even my podcast just me myself a big message i preach here is don't be a red team versus blue team motherfucker be smart elevate yourself 
learn. Good Always look to educate yourself. Look at both sides of the story. And guess what, people? You can be educated, have an opinion, even maybe have a side. But that doesn't mean you can't give credit to the other side. And I think that's what we're saying. You know, whether I'm breaking down fights to be like, hey, the odds makers have it wrong. This guy shouldn't be having an underdog. He's not getting respect. To maybe a non-betting side, to more of a personal, more relevant side of, hey, listen, guys, the narrative is really going strong for this guy. But let's stop and look at things here. Now, I'm just as wrong, just as I am right on those things. But I think the lesson of stopping and looking at those things is something that I do stand by, right or wrong. That's something that you can apply to yourself for not just MMA analysis, for your bets, fan picks, or however serious or not serious you choose to take this, but more importantly than this bullshit called MMA, how about something called life, people? Because this red team versus blue team, this Democrat versus Republican, I'm on this side versus that side, y'all kind of look retarded at the end of the fucking day. And if you're not smart enough to notice that, well, then you have more things to worry about. Go listen to another podcast, but... Honestly, all I can say is educate yourselves. Look at things from both sides. You can have your sides. You can have your opinions. You can even have your bets with money behind those opinions. But that doesn't mean you can't give credit to the other side. And I think that is a big core of a lot of what we're saying from these matchups and this podcast and many other podcasts. And that's a big thing that I preach here. That's why I don't charge for my content. That's why even though I will give myself credit and fucking shit on retards when they fucking come out with retarded opinions, I will never call myself the best though. I will always be self-deprecating in other senses and always look to improve for myself and for you guys. So as strong as some of my opinions are, strong as some of the words, I apologize for using the retard word again, is our, believe me, that's all I'm trying to do is stress that. Look at the shit from both sides, people. Be fucking better than, than the fucking common sheep. You know what I hate about Saturday nights, Dan? What's up, brother? Sunday mornings because of the after party edition. Oh shit! I fucked Brian up for work, so I. I you're right. I, I, we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it, it up. up. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to our ranting. Hopefully, it wasn't as painful. Um, even though I wanted to be light, more lighthearted and less rambunctious as last shit week. Shit gets real here. We were less rambunctious, but mm, less lighthearted than I wanted to be. So hopefully there were some nuggets of truth. Hopefully there was some entertainment you could have pulled from it. Before we go, Brian, uh, we didn't see the performance of the nights, but uh, creepiest mugshot of the night. What <laughs> mugshot would you like to have in a back alley? And what mugshot... Like alley in my favor? Like I'm about to have a yes. street fight or like I'm about to get raped? No, no, no. Just... Okay, how about this? What fighter is looks the most creepiest? What fighter would you want to be partners with, whether it be hetero, uh, sexual, or you, business? You know that's cool. And what I'll go first, by the way, just to get you started. And what fighter would be? Yeah, yeah. What fighter would you want in your back in a back alley? I guess. Okay, Fuck look. It. Okay, business, look. Business, back alley, and creepiest. Okay, I will go business. I will go. Um, I'll go fucking Tyron Willie because like. He, you know, as much as we underestimate him as his fighting presence, he somehow keeps ending up on the best cards, getting all these crazy management opportunities. As what? What, is he, what is he in this position? Business partner. Business oh, partner. Oh, we're doing business. Yeah, there we go. Jeez. I would choose him because of that. Uh, back alley, I would say cyborg because people would have to stop for a second and be like, what the fuck? Is that literally <laughs> Silva? <laughs> and creepiest, I'll go with... I, again, I'm a big. I'm a, despite picking against, I'm a, I'm a bigger T City fan than most. But let's be honest, T City with the with, with the slick back hair, the tiger eyes. He well, looks like he looks like, like Joey Diaz would say. Eyes, yeah. He looks like Joey Diaz would say. 
Captain Date Rape. <laughs> Probably like the worst X Men ever. They call him right? T City because of that. <laughs> Can you imagine Captain Date Rape? That'd be the worst X Men ever, right? Like, all right. I don't so- know. So I don't remember what your calls were here. <laughs> okay. But for guys in my corner, Robbie Lawler, who would be scarier? And Robbie Lawler. He's a pretty intimidating dude. The ball head. You hit that dude, and he just attention. smiles at you and fucking plods forward. I can see like an alley light catching a shin off his bald head, and oh you're like, "Wait, who's God. that dude?" He looks like the yellow man from fucking Sin City, dude. Ooh. You don't want to fuck with that That's guy. That's creepy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well then, uh, speaking of creepy, who's the creepiest mugshot then? Uh, fuck, that gets difficult. Uh, <laughs> Avenger, have... just because she <laughs> looks like. <laughs> She looks like she's shopping at Walmart, yet she'll beat the shit out of you if you oh, cut her yeah. off in line. Well, I don't want to ask you life partner or hetero partner because somehow you would weave it into Kylan Curran and Albu at the same time somehow. I don't know how you would do that, but that would probably be both your picks. I don't know how i do it, but I think I could manage. Jesus Christ. Okay, no, who's, I wouldn't have. Who's they, your, they would both rape me. Who's your business partner? All, business just looking partner? At the, all, all the mug shots, all the fighter profiles. Who, who, Look, who's your business partner for 214? You have to pick one business partner for this group of fucks. all the hate okay. I put on this person tonight. Okay. I think after all the shit he's been able to get through mm-hmm. and be the guy he is and still make money, I think John Jones is my guy. You just want to go on those goes. fucking parties where you celebrate a deal with him. Let's be honest, dude, Brian. Dude, we'll just get kilos of cocaine <laughs> on the cheap, dude. Just be slanging that shit. Brian is picking John Jones because he just wants a white girl and a white girl. Put it that way. Yeah, you <laughs> see John Jones' wife? What the fuck, right? Oh, Jesus, anyways. White girl and white girl. I'll take John Jones for the uh, the business parties alone. Forget how the deals end up. Who cares, dude? That's is a it? good pick. Dude, that oh guy Jesus does Christ! He's able to recover from the things he's been able to recover from. That's what right. I kind of do. Well, he's that got was the right lawyers. Well, under alcohol, I encourage to finally uh, try to at least take a shot of uh, a game I've long been talking about. Of uh, instead of picking the post-fight award winners, maybe we're gonna do some weird themes like this. If you like it, let us know. Hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. If you don't, let us know. If you want to hear other things, other themes, top five themes, August is gonna be open or anything else. Hit us up. On Twitter, at the PYN Podcast. Hit me up, at the MM Analyst. Uh, hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. Or, to make it easy, we have the same tag for Facebook and Instagram accounts, at the PYN Podcast. Brian, where can they find you? Uh, at BR14, spelled out, N on Twitter. Or, you can find me at BR14NS on Instagram. That's where I post mostly anything about my life. If you feel like being a lurk, add me. We'll see what's up. Talk shit. I don't care. Let's go. Let's have some fun. All right. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back probably next week for... Uh, they'll be in Mexico. It looks like we have Sergio Super Twink Tweetus for... Ver- Super Twink Super Tweak. Twink <laughs> Did you just call him a tweaker? I went to Are say you Super accusing Anthony Pettis' brother of being a, a fucking meth head? Senor? No, I said uh, Super Twink Pettis versus uh, Brandon Crooked Teeth Moreno. And we Moreno's <laughs> put on some upsets lately, though. He has, man. He has, man. Is the co-main event really this, though? I hope not. Oh, my God. Are we really watching this? Oh, my God. I don't want to break this down. We'll see. If I, I'll probably break oh it down. Oh, my first. God. In this the meantime, the card. I haven't even <laughs> seen this. In the meantime, I got to piss forward all your complaints <laughs> to br 14 uh, Twitter account. Um, in the meantime, yeah, we'll be this back. This is the card. Is Rashad, Rashad Evans is fighting Sam Al. buried on that card, too. Oh, my God. What is what is this? I didn't even know this card existed. That's great. All right. Savage as well. Speaking, All right, of, yeah, speaking, speaking, of, speaking of date rape, watch your drinks. 
watch the scorecards, watch out for head kicks from Southpaw, especially if the guy's been a noted cocaine person. It doesn't matter, he can still land it. And until next time, stay savage. Protect your neck.